Welcome to You Need a Coach, Bitch. I'm your host, Chris Hale. I'm a certified life coach and coach instructor. I'm also a master dance educator and self-proclaimed Zenial Pop Diva. Every week, I bring you a conversation to help you harness your inner authority by popping the patriarchy and crafting the life of your dreams. Are you ready to unleash your inner creator? Let's go. Hey, bitches, what's up? It feels like it's been forever. How are you doing? How is your summer going? I can't believe that we are already in mid-July. Honestly, I never used to be the biggest fan of summer when I lived in the city because summer in Manhattan is kind of gross. But since moving to the suburbs and having a pool, it has become my favorite time of year. There is nothing like working out first thing and then cooling off with a swim to get your day started. So I love summer. Do you love summer? What are summers like where you are? I have a little update on my meds situation. So if you've been following along, then you know I got an ADHD diagnosis and I started Stratera. It's been about two weeks. And so far, the biggest shift I've noticed is that my brain is not as noisy. I don't have this like constant cacophony of thoughts racing through my brain at all times. I have what feels like a manageable amount of thoughts, and they aren't quite as loud. I don't know how that's happening, but it just sounds like the volume has been turned down a little bit, or I'm not as distracted by them. I don't know. Also, I'm less anxious, which is not something I was expecting, but I used to have almost this like kind of like buzzing or vibrating feeling that happened around my solar plexus, and I feel like it's kind of gone. So I'm not sure if it's because my mind is calmer and so my body is not as on edge or if there's some actual physical effect from the medication, but hey, I will take it. The other big thing is that I have more ability to focus, which is actually really what I was hoping to gain, as well as like a little bit more energy. I tend to not have a lot of bandwidth, and I was hoping that this would help me with a little bit more energy. And I do feel like that's happening. I don't quite feel so much of a need to like nap midday anymore, for instance. But I actually was able to sit and write for three hours the other day. Um, And I was even able to take bathroom breaks. I mean, what? In the past, like, I definitely have ignored the need to pee no matter what I was doing, like, whether it's watching TV or doing a puzzle or working. And some of it is because, like, I just couldn't get my motor going to, like, actually get up off the couch. But when I'm working, it's more about not wanting to break the flow because I knew that if I did, I was not going to have an easy time getting back to work if I was able to get back to it at all. So this is it so far. Like, I... I feel good about it. I'm actually bumping up to like the base therapeutic dose, which is 40 milligrams this week. And we're going to see how things go. Hopefully I don't have any side effects and things just keep getting better. Other fun things to announce are two podcasts I was a guest on in the last week. Now they have similar titles, (laughs) but like they're not actually necessarily thematically the same. Um, The first was the reality show podcast with Lynn Grogan. 
Um, the format is we both watch an episode of a reality show and then we discuss coachable moments. And the show that we discussed was season 20, episode three of The Bachelorette. It was so fun. And it kind of got me into the show. I've never been a big, like, Bachelor, Bachelorette fan. Although one of my friends was on The Bachelor for a hot second. But yeah, like, this kind of got me into it. And there's all this drama with this guy, Brayden. And like, hello, honey, I am into it. (laughs) The second podcast is called The Reality Coach Podcast with Jennifer Bulbrook. And that's more of like a general mental health podcast where she sometimes discusses reality TV, but that's not like the main focus of it. And we talked a lot about creativity and she was actually a little like mind blown by my thoughts about it. And so I wanted to elaborate on that here today. Um, And it's also something that I've been talking about a lot on social media lately. So if you're following me there, you're already kind of like, in the loop on my feelings about this. But we're talking about creativity as a skill today. And I'm finding that a lot of people don't think of themselves as creative, Jennifer included, even though she's an entrepreneur that regularly creates content. She produces a podcast weekly. She often sits down to work and immediately thinks that she's not creative. And thus, she starts this cycle of stress where she delays getting things done. Because let's be honest, y'all, nothing cock blocks creativity more than believing that you have none, right? Like, that's a recipe for no creation. And I know a lot of coaches and other entrepreneurs listen to my show. So I thought it was really important to share this message with you because I'm sure this discussion has shifted something for Jennifer. And I'm actually going to link both those podcasts in my show notes. So you should listen to that conversation I have with Jennifer because I think that it will be very illuminating for any of you that either don't believe you're creative or believe that in some way your creativity is limited or not easily accessible. So why is it that there are lots of folks out there under the impression that they are in fact not creative? Well, it is because we often think of creativity being specific to like the humanities, right? Like performing arts, visual arts, poetry, like these kinds of things. And We only view people that have in some way devoted their lives to producing art as creatives or as having creativity. But like even what we consider art can be so many things. And I actually want to do an episode on sort of the democratization of art, but I'd like to have a guest for that specific topic. So so today we're not really going to dive into that, but what I actually wanted to do was break down the top creativity myths and then sort of talk about how you can start to think about yourself and what you do as creative. One of the things that Jennifer and I talked about was that we're all exposed to the arts as children, right? We all take like art class and music or we sing in like chorus. We build things in woodshop and we're encouraged to do like creative writing in English class. But at some point, most of these activities become electives. So unless you have a knack for them, you probably don't choose to keep doing them. And arts programs are also like historically underfunded across the United States. 
there is a huge lack of support around the arts, which again, even if you don't pursue one of these like artistic paths, right? This is a place that fosters like innovation and unstructured thinking. And that just gets taken away from us unless we actively pursue it. So it's no wonder that so many people don't see themselves as creative. But today we're going to do some like myth busting and hopefully that changes some of your opinions about yourself in this area and even what creativity is. So myth number one is that you are born creative. This is false. I do believe we all have certain talents. For instance, most humans and even some animals think in a mathematical way, like grouping things and seeing patterns and numbers and like even being able to do like basic math stuff. But then there are like other people that seem to have like an advanced aptitude for it. And I don't know why. Um, There are studies and books and papers about it. And if math interests you, like go for it, like find that out. I don't really care. Um, (laughs) this is like as much as I want to think about math, but I think all things are like this, right? We can all like put pencil to paper and draw a line or a circle or a squiggle, right? We can all pick up a paintbrush, dip it in some paint and like make something happen. But some people are just naturally able to like turn that line and that circle into an elaborate drawing, right? Like put them together in a way that makes something like very new and innovative and amazing. Some people just pick up instruments and are able to like instinctively play music or they can sing harmony to their favorite songs just because they hear it in their head. Like these are gifts, but they aren't actually what creativity is all about. That's just an ability. Creativity is a process And we all use it every day, and we can learn to access it more easily in a more expansive way once we understand that. So the process of creativity starts by identifying your base knowledge and or skills. And this is stuff that like you acquire over your lifetime, right? Like all the things that you've learned over the course of your life is your base knowledge and skills, right? And so you need to know what you know. So you can start to like reflect on your past accomplishments and see like what knowing and what skills helped you achieve those things. And that's going to give you kind of a a sense of like what you know so far. The next thing in the process of creativity is being able to question your assumptions. So creativity requires deep self-understanding. You have to be honest and be compassionate. We can't be creative without doing some unlearning. So it's like you need to know what you know, and then you need to know how to stop knowing what you know, (laughs) right? Unlearn some of the like rules and regulations that you've built up in your mind. Not take everything that you see at face value in terms of your assumption of what it is. And this is exactly what we do in coaching. Like I think coaching is one of the most creative endeavors like me as the coach, but also like what I help people unlock in themselves just by questioning the beliefs that they have opens up a huge world of possibility that they never saw. That's a creative process. And then finally, we get to experiment. We get to explore. We have to be wrong. We have to fail. And then we just repeat that. 
creativity is a process. It's not a destination. And our goal is not to be great at it from the beginning. Our goal is to play. And I also want to point out that there are definitely artists who you would probably consider being creatives, right? Because they do an artistic job. But there are artists out there who don't do this. They don't play, right? They learn their craft, but they never stray from technique to find their own creative voice, right? This is something we would say about dancers all the time. Great technician, no artistry. That means that they don't put any of their own selves into it. They're just executing what we've told them to execute basically by the numbers, but there is nothing unique about it. And then on the other hand, there are CEOs, right? And other like what we consider like businessy business corporate types iterating and making changes in their businesses daily. They're creatively solving problems and they're taking things to the next level. So creativity is not about the job that you do. It's about a way of thinking and a skill set that you develop over time. And anybody can do this. Myth number two is all creative ideas need to be original ideas. Well, that's impossible. Mark Twain said, there is no such thing as a new idea. It is impossible. We simply take a lot of ideas and put them into a sort of mental kaleidoscope. We give them a turn and they make new and curious combinations. We keep on turning and making new combinations indefinitely, but they are the same old pieces of colored glass that have been in use through all the ages. This is so fucking true about everything. There are no new ideas, peeps. Even new discoveries aren't new, (laughs) right? Like, new discoveries are just people bringing awareness to things that were always there. And this is totally going to, like, date this podcast in the zeitgeist of what's going on right now. (laughs) But I don't care. This podcast is all about being present. But, like, Meta, right, Mark Zuckerberg... He just came out with threads. Well, we all know that this is his answer to Twitter and like the hellscape that Twitter is. But Twitter was inspired by instant messaging and group chats. So none of these ideas were new. It's just someone taking their own knowledge and knowing and experience and iterating. Remember Vine? Vine paved the way for TikTok. And then, oh, here comes Mark again, right? He always wants in on the action. So he created reels for Instagram, right? So what makes an idea new and fresh is your specific, unique perspective. Sup. (laughs) You're sup. No one sees things exactly the way you do. And that's a good thing. No one on this earth has had the same exact experience as you. So no one's going to interpret things the way that you do. And even if they did have the same exact experiences of you, like, Our brains are all different. Our brains and our bodies work together in a unique way to help us form our perspective. But like, if I take myself, I don't think anyone has had this exact experience. I've been a dancer, a dance educator, a gyrotonic instructor, a soul cycle instructor, a real estate agent, a teacher at a university, and now I'm a life coach. And I did other things in there as well. I also have acted. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, I've done all of these things. I can't think of any other person that I know that has had all those experiences. And even if they did, they haven't had all the exact experiences because they haven't worked with every teacher that I've worked with. They haven't engaged or interacted with every student of mine, right? Which 
when you're a teacher, your knowledge expands by working with the specific people you work with because you have to troubleshoot and be creative in the moment with that person in front of you. So it's this evolution that happens that like I am the only person that's had the evolution that I have. And there are lessons and skills that I learned in each of those things that shape the way I coach people now. Not to mention all of my own personal work and therapy and trauma and all of that. So as much as people pay me to help them solve their problems, part of what they're paying for is my SUP, right? My specific, unique perspective. Through the many and varied lenses I see the world, we're able to explore things from so many angles. This is part of my offering to them, and it's really powerful because with our brains together, with all of these different perspectives, it's what moves them forward toward their goals in a way that's uniquely theirs, and it's not going to look like anybody else's journey. So this is where you can start to do a little bit of work. Um, What are all the experiences that make up your SEP? Start making a list, and then once you have done that for each of them, What are the three main takeaways, lessons, or skills that you got from them? And this is going to start to show you the lens that you look at the world through. Couple this with the identity and labels conversation that we had, and that's going to like deepen even more what you have to say uniquely. Myth number three is that in order to call yourself a creative, you have to be consistent. And maybe, (laughs) what does consistent mean to you? So say you're a painter, do you need to paint every day? Or could you paint something once a year? Or can you paint something once a year for the last 10 years? Like, would that be considered consistent? Like if you did it for 10 years straight, you really get to define what that word means for you. Same thing goes for being a content creator online as part of your business. You decide what consistent means to you and you get to create on that schedule. Now, I want to briefly talk about goals because if you have a goal to like have a certain amount of clients and you're not reaching that, you might not be showing up enough. Maybe you do need to be more consistent and be making more offers, but you could also have like a messaging problem. And so I want to point out that often our default is I need to be doing more. I need to work more. Do, do, work, work. So we just chalk it up to not being consistent enough and needing to do more. And it could just be that you're not being clear enough when you are showing up. And that's actually another thing I work on with my clients, right? Like if you're posting every day and you're not attracting the people that you want, well, then you're probably not saying the right thing. And the same thing goes for the sordid topic of coin. What's that movie reference? DM me if you know. (laughs) Um, If you're attempting to make a living in an artistic pursuit and you're not doing that consistently, you may be tempted to believe that you're not a real professional. But when you make money the only thing that you're measuring your professionalism based on and you're not making any money, which a lot of people don't make money in the beginning, whether it's artistic or coaching or whatever, if you're not making money, it doesn't mean you're not a professional. But when you believe that, you usually take yourself less seriously. And then it really does become more of a jobby, right? Instead of a full-fledged business. In that case, you might need to learn some skills to make money, but don't confuse that with a lack of talent or creativity. 
you're probably just bad at sales, <laughs> right? Or you aren't making work that people want to buy, no matter how brilliant you think that work is. These are other things to take in con- into consideration, but it doesn't mean, again, that you're not talented or creative. All this is to say is that like, there is no quota for creativity. Frequency does not determine it. But if you do want to get more consistent and like get into a practice and you wish to build skills, then start small. Like what is the minimum baseline that you're willing to put on your calendar and show up to on a regular basis so that you can like get that under your belt and then you can work up from there and create the consistent practice that you want to create. And the fourth and final myth that we're going to debunk today, I'm sure there are others, and I'm, maybe I'll do another episode on this, but it's that you need to have formal training to be a creative. And the answer here is maybe. <laughs> this, again, goes back to your goals. Anyone can creatively and expressively dance around their house, but not everyone can dance with ABT, NDT, or the Jabberwockies, right? Like, If you have a desire to make a career out of your creativity in a modality that requires formal training, then you will need formal training. But there are some forms of art that being self-taught can be just as good as going to a conservatory or a liberal arts college. Dance is not usually one of them, but I'm sure it's happened at some point in history. Who knows? Like anything is possible. Maybe there is like a self-trained dancer out there working their butt off getting paid. So I don't know. I don't know if you're going to need formal training or not. And that is something to consider, right, when we go back to like, what is the point of what you're doing? What is the result that you want to create? I will say, though, one thing about having training, it can often make us more creative, right? Limitations and boundaries breed innovation. So... Training in something and understanding the rules can help us expand our creativity. Because I, I, I have to ask myself the question, what can I make by limiting myself to the techniques that I've been taught, right? This is, the, this is the idea of turning the kaleidoscope, right? I have all the same pieces, but what can I make from these pieces that's new and different? So when I think about like ballet and ballet technique. How many different ways can I put the same steps together and have it still be considered classical ballet and not veering into contemporary because that's a different thing, right? So when I start start altering it and start taking it out of the rules of ba- of classical ballet, it starts to become something else. And so I want to work inside that framework, right? And create new things. And that can like really make me have to expand my creative process. And then on the flip side, breaking the rules of classical ballet is what gives us something like contemporary dance and so many other dance forms. But in that case, I first need to like have an understanding of those rules and structures in order for that to be useful. But outside of that, like anyone can dance. I truly believe that. Like I truly believe that everyone that has a body can dance with it. So if you want to turn on some music and like dance around your bedroom go for it. Or you want to like learn to dance from the internet and post it on TikTok, 
right? You don't need any of that training or any of those rules. You don't need to know anything about those things to make that happen. We've all done like a cha-cha slide or a funky chicken at a wedding, right? Like (laughs) we can all learn choreography and like perform that choreography and have fun with it. And that is a creative expression. If I want to grab some paints and a canvas and start fucking around, I can do that too. I think it's important to remember here that like any of these things that have been codified and like put into techniques, they once started out as play and imagination and experimentation. And a technique was discovered through that process. So when I think about creativity, what we're actually doing is like going back to a less rigid time and expanding what we consider to be creative. Creativity is a synthesizing and rearranging of ideas. Those ideas are allowed to come from anywhere and be brought together by you in a new way. The more you practice doing this in all areas of your life, the better you get at thinking outside the box and building a life based on innovation. Then you just need to have the courage to fail. Most of us don't venture outside of our comfort zones because we're afraid to be bad at things. Even within our own area of expertise, we sometimes limit ourselves. Some of the least creative people I know are those who trained in the arts. They get so tied up and stressed out about the rules. And like I said before, creativity is oftentimes about breaking the rules. And when we do that, we're doing it with an understanding that not everything we create is going to be the best thing we've ever made. It can't be, especially if you're trying out new things. You have to give yourself some space to grow, and that takes a lot of self-compassion. My hope is that whatever you do, you start to try on the identity of someone who is creative. If you do, you will start seeing all the evidence of this. Every time you make lunch for yourself, you're putting ingredients together that were once separate. That's a creation. Every time you write an email, you're stringing together letters in a way that communicates what's inside your mind. You create every day, and now is your time to own it. So I hope that if you haven't before, then from today on, you will own the label of creative. And if you are ready to create more of your own work and put it out in the world, let's go. Let's fucking do it. It's time Next week, it will be six weeks until September, which is the end of quarter three. If you're ready to start or to continue, (laughs) right, working toward your creative goals, whatever those look like, book a consult, get on my calendar. Let's do this together. All right, friends, have a great week. If you are loving the podcast, it's time to put a ring on it. It would mean the world to me if you would do one or all of these things. First off, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or all the places podcasts are available if you want to be extra. While you're there, giving a five-star rating and leaving a review would be epic. And lastly, spreading the love by sharing your favorite episode would be beyond. Thanks, love. We'll talk soon.